Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle. I'm Travis Apple, the host of this podcast. And after spending my entire career in the sports sales industry, I wanted to continue to find ways to give back to individuals that want to get into this business or individuals that are currently in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'll have the privilege to sit down with top-ranking professionals in our industry. You'll hear their career path, what they look for in successful people, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Time certainly flies. It is crazy to think it's season four of 52 Weeks of Hustle already. With season four, I'm going to have the privilege of sitting down with industry experts to discuss their career path. We're going to discuss three key topics that are current in the industry and three hustle hot seat questions. And... Three pieces of advice, all under 24 minutes. Now, on to our guests this week. Business, we talk a lot about differentiating yourself and getting out of your comfort zone. Our next guest did just that to land a role in this business and hasn't looked back since. I'm excited to have Brian Tower, Senior Vice President of Revenue for the San Jose Sharks. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Travis. Great to be here. Brian, very excited to have you and dive into your career. And you know, going back to the beginning, you grew up in New Jersey and you got out of your comfort zone right away by moving to Florida to attend the University of Florida. You go on to study sports management and then receive your MBA in management from UF. What did you think you wanted to do career-wise? Yeah, you know, you mentioned stepping outside my comfort zone, Travis, and going to Florida was definitely that. I mean, I had some family, we had vacation down there, but it was it was a big leap. And, um, you know, if you look at my career trajectory, you might think I dislike New Jersey, but reality is like, I, I just, I learned a lot from that experience about stretching um, you know, beyond my comfort zone. So I went down there thinking I was going to study business. I didn't know exactly what, um, but went down there with that with that mentality. Uh, my sophomore year, I ran into uh, an acquaintance at the time that became a friend in my dorm who talked to me about sport management as a major. I had no idea it existed. Um, and it really married two things for me, you know, the, the business side of, of, of my schooling that I liked, and then the sports side, which I was always passionate about. And at a school like University of Florida, you know, it's one of the biggest athletic departments in the country. It was a no-brainer from an opportunity an opportunity perspective to be able to go in there and really learn it. So, you know, I entered the sport management field really not knowing what, what I wanted to do with it, but I was incredibly lucky my sophomore year to get an internship uh, via a family friend, an unpaid internship with the Tampa Bay. They were the Devil Rays at the time, not to date myself. Um, and I was I happened to be in the ticket sales department. So I, I was literally sitting on the floor with, I guess, now you would call like the inside sales team. And I was sitting on the pit all summer. I was a big baseball fan. I loved it. Um, but I left that internship saying there's absolutely no way in hell I am going to be in ticket sales, uh, mainly because I was watching these guys just make cold calls literally from a phone book at the time. There was one computer that all of them shared. I didn't know at the time that was probably just maybe a lack of resources in the organization. And that wasn't like the industry standard. But I left that saying like no, no ticket sales for me, but I know I like the sports thing. And I went back to UF and I wound up volunteering in the marketing department for the athletic association. And I loved it. I was throwing t-shirts on the basketball court. I was helping get out bobbleheads and promotions and all kinds of stuff. Like this is the path for me. Um, but then when I graduated after my master's, I, I started applying and like one, there weren't a lot of marketing jobs out there. And two, I wasn't getting calls back. Conversely, I had this like very limited ticket sales experience on my background. And I started applying for inside sales equivalent jobs. And I was getting lots of calls and I wound up having multiple offers. And, you know, the rest is history. I thought I'd be smart and kind of go in and do sales for a year. I work my way back to marketing, but you know, 15 years later, this is uh, this is where we are. And I think it's it's great advice for listeners out there that whether they're in college or getting right into the the first part of the job is like you know take the time to to understand what you want to do, and then also you got to be willing to bet on yourself, take a little risk because you never know what you're going to love, right? That's so, what so many 100%. people you're talking to in college like this is absolutely what I want to do. It's like well, 
hell, we're to your point, we've been in here 15, 16 years. We don't even know what we want to do. Yeah. Um, and, you know, so and we talk about out of your comfort zone, you move to Florida. Now you're out of your comfort zone again. This takes you clear out West. Uh, your first your first career move, your role after your internship and master's out to Sacramento, where you work for the King starting in inside sales. Thinking back to that time, what's something you know now that you wish you would have known back then? Yeah, I tell I tell my staff this a lot. I think it's 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 patience, you know, for me. And, and I say that from a career perspective. Like, yeah, you got to advocate and fight for what you're looking for. But you know, again, my mentality coming into that too, like I said, was like I was trying to get out of sales at first, right? And then you know what I learned pretty quickly in the role though, sales wasn't what I thought it was going to be. It wasn't you know Wolf of Wall Street. It was a lot of relationship buildings face to face. Like it was more fun than I thought. I was talking sports. But even with that, you know, I I found myself, you know, pretty quickly correlating like, okay, I like sales, but I really like leadership and I want to get to a point where I grow into leadership. So like, what can I do to get me there as fast as possible? You know, and I think in reality, what I've I've learned since is, you know, time is time can be your friend and experience is a character builder. And, you, you, you know, you learn a lot along the way, especially from those early years when, you know, I went out to Sacramento for a $10 an hour job. I left all my family behind. My family, I think, even kind of thought I was nuts. <laughs> so, you know, I, I felt a lot of pressure to like prove that, you know, what I was doing was was valid, you know, and and I, I knew I wanted to get into leadership, but I was also trying to get there quickly. And, you know, I probably cut some corners along the way, but that's it. You know, if I'm talking to my staff now, it's like, okay, the first opportunity isn't always the right one. I got turned down for a lot of opportunities when I was in Sacramento, but, it, you know, in my experience, at least if you put your head down and work hard, it tends to work itself out. So. Absolutely. When Brian, your first three, you know, in your three years there, you work your way up to becoming the inside sales manager. And why was leadership the right fit for you? Yeah. So when I was at UF in college, I, again, I was coming from New Jersey. I didn't know a soul uh, in in Gainesville. So I went down there and my first week on campus, I had met a guy in my dorm, different guy uh, that was from New York, close enough to, you know, my New Jersey roots. We kind of like, Hey, let's go hang out tonight. And he was big. He really knew he wanted to get into Greek life on campus. So he's like, just come to Rush Week with me. I had no interest in Rush, but I was like, whatever, I'm broke. I'm in college. I'm hungry. I'll go. And I went through that process um, at UF. And um, I went up, you know, really falling in love with the chapter in a house that really spoke to me in a way that I didn't think, you know, fraternities did. And, you know, long story short, I wound up joining. And my third year there, you know, the chapter was in decline and I wound up getting involved in leadership. And the first role I got into was um, like, we call it new member educator. So it's basically the person that would take the incoming recruits, you know, the 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 people who are going through rush, and really coaching them up on everything it took to become a you know a brother, a member of the fraternity. So when I got to you know when I got to Sacramento for the Kings, I saw so many correl- you know so much correlation right away, right? I was kind of like the the you know the the rushy at that point, and my inside sales manager was like that coach or that mentor. I'm like this clicks, I can I can do this, right? And that's kind of how that spark started for me that I knew I wanted to be in leadership and. You know, that's sort of where it went. In the fraternity, I wound up going on to be the chapter president. I saw a lot of similarities with that, with being like at our time, the vice president of ticket sales. And that became my North Star and what I was really working towards. So through that college experience, I learned a lot about myself. And I think I unlocked, you know, some leadership DNA that at that point in life, I had no clue I even had it. Right. And, no, you know, and it, it certainly worked out. And you know, Brian, as your inside sales manager there at the Kings in the NBA for a couple of years, you know, you then make the move a bit closer to home growing up in New Jersey as you go back, you know, and go to the MLB and work for the New York Mets. And during yep. your time there in the Big Apple, you're fortunate to be a part of a team that made the World Series. How was that experience for you? Yeah, it was it was it was phenomenal. Um, you know, true story. I happen to be a diehard Mets fan from like the day I was born. Um, so that that was that was a, a you know a, a a dream for me to be there as a fan, much less as an employee and have the design behind the scenes access. 
Reality is too, though, there was a lot of pain leading up to that. Like I was there for five years for the first four and a half. The team was pretty bad. When I first got there, our ownership group was like right in the middle of the Bernie Madoff Ponzi scheme. We were selling off players. Like it was, it was, it was a, it was the culmination of a long journey is what I'd say, but it was, it was awesome. Like overnight you go from this, you know, just kind of scrap and claw mentality. We've got to find every dollar we can, however we, you know, can, and you still have some of that. Yep. But then all of a sudden overnight, the middle of August, you know, the team's looking like they might be competitive. We make a trade for Joanna Cespedes and all of a sudden the phones don't stop ringing and you're suddenly playing defense and like trying to maximize value. And it's just a whole different mentality in the process. But, you know, as a, as an employee at that point, you had almost a, probably close to a decade of just miserable sport, you know, team on, on the ice or the court or whatever performance. It was uh it was a dream come true. No, that's awesome. And, you know, to your point, like, you know, the Kings weren't necessarily the best basketball team we were in there. The Mets four and a half of your five years there were not a great team. So it's you yep. making sure you run parallel paths. And, you know, after almost five years of the Mets, once again, you get out of your comfort zone and you move back out West, back out to California to work for the San Jose Sharks, which are still now there at the yep. NHL. And during your time there, you work for a team that makes the Stanley Cup. So how was that experience? And, and maybe how did it compare to the World Series? Yeah, it was a hell of a run. Like it was, you know, I went from, you know, November being in the World Series with the Mets to leaving the, you know, the to leaving the Mets in January. And by like the following, whatever it was, June, like in like a six or eight month period, I was in the Stanley Cup final. We lost both. So that was kind of a downer, but they were different. You know, the Mets, again, I, I was a part of that journey all the way there with the Sharks. I had just stepped in and I was part of a new leadership group that was being headed up by Flavel Hampson, who was our CRO at the time. You know, and like our head was down trying to make the changes to the business that we thought we needed to make. The team was a board. I think we were the last team in the playoffs that year. There was no real expectations yep. that we were making a run. And we did um, to our credit. So it was, you know, it, it kind of came it came out of nowhere. But it was you know, some of the best nights of my career. I mean, just, you know, the the stories we would all hear. And I say this, you and I being roughly similar in experience level, like of the early days working for a king or the pirates or whatever, where right. it's like one of these days, you know, you're going to get that draft pick that's going <laughs> to eventually change the game yeah. And like that night, you know, that we, we we clinched the Stanley Cup finals, just we were literally in the office till two, three in the morning, just even was eating pizza and, and nobody could be happy. Like you couldn't be any happier to be there in the middle of the night. And um, it was awesome. Again, would have been great to win, but overall just they're rare experiences. And I think as you grow, you know, you learn to appreciate it more. No, that's awesome. And Brian, at the Sharks, you've now held four different roles in the eight years you've been there. And what do you feel like you've done on a consistent basis to continue to get elevated? Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and, and of those four roles, I'd say it's like kind of two, like maybe delineation in the middle between the first two and the last two. Um, you know, for me, like my, my career background is in ticket sales. That's what I came up in. That's what the Sharks hired me for originally. Over the last three years, my role has grown to take on not just ticket sales, but also uh, partnerships, sponsorships, we call them partnerships, um, you know, premium, and then also our, our um, AHL uh, property, the San Jose Barracuda. So, the role has grown a lot in scope. And I think, you know, for me, whether it's the Sharks, the Mets, the Kings, wherever, I think one of the things I've been able to do well is really, I call it adaptability, maybe. Like, I've had a lot of different styles of leaders over the years. Like, even with the Sharks, like Flavel, I mentioned my first boss, Jonathan Becker, my, you know, my current boss, couldn't be more different in their in their style and their approach. But I think if you ask them both, they both trusted me and leaned on me for probably some similar reasons and that, um you know, I was willing to adapt my style. I was open-minded and coachable. Like I wasn't so hard-headed that the way, the way I wanted to do things was the only way to do things, you know? And, and I think with that too, like, you know, I, I try to be a, have a type of personality that just lends me to work well with others. And I think that's something I learned back in Greek life at UF. I've learned in leadership here is that you have to mold your style. And I, I think that's an important part on top of the obvious of driving results and selling and hitting your numbers. But, you know, 
our business changes a lot. And I've, I've learned that, you know, the hard way, I think over the years um, and working for different leaders. And, you know, ultimately I think I've been able to survive and not just survive, really and grow um, because I can mold my style, understanding what the organization and that leader is trying to accomplish and my role in helping them, helping them reach it, if that makes sense, Travis. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's awesome. And, and to your point, being willing to, to evolve and pivot and adapt and be flexible. Yeah. You know, Brian, you're now, as, as we talked about, Senior Vice President of Revenue. You oversee you know, partnership suites, tickets, EHL, you know, affiliate. And I know the easiest answer is they're never the same, but, but walk the listeners through a day in your life. Yeah, they are. They are different. And, you know, they are crazy. That's kind of the business. But I, I'd say it's, you know, it's it's a it's a culmination of a number of things. Um, you know, for for one, there's the revenue part of it. Right. I'm our senior vice president of revenue. I'm ultimately responsible for our revenue numbers. So, you know, making sure I dedicate time every day, every week to actually sit down, look at what we've done, look at what's working, look at what's not and course correct strategically. Um, I spend time with all of my leaders, you know, two on each one of those verticals, just trying to Again, help diagnose problems, help solve, help, help, you know, ideate together and really, you know, really work together. One of the more interesting parts, I think, at Shark Sports and Entertainment is we have um, myself, along with our chief marketing officer, Doug Vence, we uh, co-lead a group we call Revenue and Brand. The name probably implies it, but it's really bringing sales and marketing together under, under one roof. You know, many years ago, we had more challenges with just collaboration and everybody just being on the same page. It's been a big difference maker for us. So that's a part of it too, is like, I'm not just thinking about revenue, but also the bigger picture of how, you know, our brand and our marketing efforts um, support that. So, you know, it's all part of that. And then, and then I'm on our executive uh, leadership group as well. So for the more high level organizational strategy of which revenue is a part, um, but really thinking through, you know, our, our objectives, our KPIs with working and, you know, and how we're really guiding the company through whatever the organization, through whatever, you know, whatever challenges we're facing right now. In your current role, you oversee multiple different departments and certainly teams and, and a lot of different personalities. How do you balance your time and, and ultimately prioritize? Yeah, there's times where I feel like I do a better job of it than others, but um, there's a lot. It's been one of the bigger adjustments for me over the last two or three years. You know, in ticket sales, I kind of had it down what I was doing. Now, like I'm, I'm being exposed to new parts of the business too that aren't as, you know, don't, don't come as natural to me just given my background. So, you know, for me, the organization is really critical. I've always prided myself, even going back to my early days as a seller of being pretty, you know, pretty on point with that. And I, I try to carry some of those things, you know, with me today. So for me, you know, my, my calendar is my single source of truth. And I, I spend a lot of time on it, both, you know, in, in just the making sure the meetings I'm taking are the ones that are necessary, but also blocking aside time for me, you know, to work on key projects and making sure that I have that time. Um, I found, you know, especially in my first six, eight, you know, maybe eight months, maybe a year into this role, like I, I was really bad at that. And I found it bleeding into my nights and my weekends, and it was just destroying the work-life balance part of it. There's still some of that, don't get me wrong, but like it's a much healthier balance, you know. And then for me, like I'm a big list person. Um, I like to write out what I'm what I'm going to do. And for me, every night before I shut down, I used to do it as a seller. I still do it today. It's just making sure I at least have the first few hours of the next day planned out exactly what I'm going to accomplish when I'm going to accomplish it. And those days, you know, I'm just much more productive than I would otherwise. So there's some other tricks, but if I had to pin it down to that, it's just being intentional about my scheduling. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide 
that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Brian Tower, Senior Vice President of Revenue for the San Jose Sharks. And Brian, let's get into three hot topics. Question one, I know you've had a heavy focus on the value of people for your career, you know, both working for, with, and alongside. As you think about some of the most successful people you've worked around, what are some of the key characteristics? Yeah, I learned at a pretty pretty early you know stage in my career how critical that is. Um, you know, Ben Milson was an early mentor of mine. Chris Aber, who I know you know very, very well, you know, re- really instilled those types of you know things in me. You know, for me, if, if I'm looking at you know characteristics that I think sort of transcend maybe a role or or, or you know a specific function, um, you know, for me it's, it's a number of things. I think one, you know, coachability is so important. Like at, at no point, you know, does any does anybody really know everything? Like you have to be open uh, to coaching and to learning. It's how you grow. It's how you develop. Um, two, I'd say curiosity, especially today. I mean, I don't know, maybe it's just me getting older and, and seeing the business a little differently, but our, our business just seems like it's changing so much every day. Like people that are curious, that are looking beyond just what's right in front of them, you know, tend to do better. And the third thing I'd say, which is probably an obvious one, is just work ethic. Like it's such an easy one to say. It's such a hard thing to do. I've never had anyone that told me they didn't have a strong work ethic, but right. I know from experience, most don't, you know, at the level to be super successful. So you know, some factor of those three uh, to me are just our core to success from what I've seen. You know, as, as you think about question two, as you, and we briefly talked about this, but you worked in the business 15 plus years and the teams you've worked with, there's been some ups and some downs as we discuss. What's your advice yeah. on being able to run parallel paths from a business standpoint, really regardless of wins or losses? Yeah, it's hard. It's it's really hard. And, you know, I think it's it's trying to remember the downtimes and, you know, downtimes, I mean, on the ice, um, not necessarily indicative of the business performance. And I, I was, I didn't really maybe see it that way at the time, but I was super fortunate early in my career to work for some real bad Sacramento Kings teams. I also sold the WNBA for my first few years and then go to the Mets like they struggled. So you learn, like, you know, you learn a lot of those things and I, I you know, of how you just, you can't rely on the wins and losses. You got to sell hope. You got to sell memories. You got to sell experiences. You got to sell the future. And then, you know, even with the Sharks, I stepped into a winning situation. Like the Sharks have historically been one of the most successful on the ice teams in, in the league. You know, and, and over the last few years, that trajectory has changed some, right? We've gone from a team that's, you know, maybe maybe it's just more of a, a retool and maybe a rebuild, depending on how you want to say it. And you kind of got to go back to those things. And it's important that you don't forget them along the way. And for, you know, some of my staff that's seen both, you know, it's important that you don't get lazy with your fundamentals when the team gets good, right? You still got to stick to those you still got to make a lot of outreach. You still got to ask good questions. You still have to listen, right? You still have to connect with people. And, you know, I think those are the things that transcend wins and losses. And the people that stick in our business are the ones that get that. You know, the ones that are just chasing rings or chasing wins. Like, that's not, you know, I don't want to say it's easy to sell good teams, but it kind of is, right? Like, you make your money on the on the harder situations. And that's how you build your career. And, you know, I don't think it's a coincidence that my first, you know, however many years were with bad teams. And it's put me in a position to be able to grow, you know, as I have here in San Jose. Absolutely. And question three, Brian, you're very passionate about paying it forward and be, being a great mentor to, to many. What's your advice to listeners on finding a mentor or mentors early on in their career? Yeah, I, I would say, you know, to me, it's, it's I don't know, it's simple, but it's it's 
I don't know, it's hard to, I'd say ask. And I, and I talk to people all the time. So I, I do, I do a lot of this, especially with UF, like talking back to, I don't know why I'm pointing yeah. like, the, <laughs> like um, you know, I do this a lot with UF where I talk to students who are like interested in breaking into a career sports or otherwise. And I get the question a lot and I'm like, you're overestimating the amount of like, you think there's a ton of people out there asking for these opportunities, but the reality is it's rare. Maybe just me. I don't know. There's something. I'm no, you're absolutely right. But you know, for me, it's like, I will almost always make time. If I, if I don't, it's probably because I just missed it somehow, but like, I will always make time for people that reach out that want to have a conversation about career, be it sports or otherwise. And I think that's, that's the big part. It's kind of like sales, right? You also, you got to have some thick skin. You know, if you send out five or 10 requests, some people are going to say no, or there's not going to respond. Like you can't take that personally. So I think it's, you know, it's asking and then, but building that relationship beyond that, again, much like sales is just making good use of the time, you know, being prepared, having questions, like being thoughtful, do a little bit of homework, you know, LinkedIn, the internet are powerful things where you can learn a lot of, you know, you can get past some of the really surface level questions and ask deeper ones if you, you know, if you put in the 10 or 15 minutes to do it. So go for it, I guess is what I would say, Travis. Absolutely. I love it. Just go for it. Brian, ton of great advice. Certainly fun to hear about your journey. To, to finish it off, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seats. You ready for this? I guess so. Yeah. If you had a boat, what would you name it? Um, geez, that's a good question. Um, California dreaming. What's a fashion trend that you'd love to see come back? I debate this with my boss often, especially maybe it's just the California thing, but I miss suits and I see you with a suit and tie and I miss suits and ties in the office. And when I was in New York, I had a, a robust collection of suits and ties. I feel like out here, People dress a lot more casually and it's, it's just the way it is. It's probably better for the business, but I feel like my closet is going to waste. So I would I, go with that. Hey, that's music to my ears. I love it. <laughs> if you could go to dinner with anyone, who would it be? Um, past or present? Um, I'd probably say, so I'm, uh, I don't maybe I won't tell you my age, but about 20 years ago, I lost my mom to cancer. I was a senior in college at that point. So it was a pretty pivotal time in my life. And I feel like she's missed, I mean, I whatever, spiritually think she's here, but like, She's missed a lot of those years. So for me, if I had to pick one person, you know, for dinner, that's who I would go with. I think we'd have a lot to catch up on, but maybe um, maybe a little less morbid or a little less depressing. I was a huge WWE fan back in the day. So like if I could sit down with Hulk Hogan or the Macho Man or something, I think I'd have a good time with that. To close it out, Brian, what are three key takeaways you'd give every listener to be in your shoes one day? Um, you know, I would say it's, it's a few things. One, find a great mentor, right? That was a critical part to my journey. And I'd say that's, that's important for anybody. Um, to me, consistency is the most, it's not about being perfect, right? It's about coming in every day and being consistent, putting your head down, getting a little bit better every day. And the third thing, you know, that helped me a lot was really just having a longer term vision and, and a goal for where you're trying to go. That can change, that can evolve. It doesn't have to be fixed, but knowing where you're trying to go just helps make sense of a lot of the day to day and what you're doing. So some combo of those three shots. Love it. Brian, thank you so much. What a great career you've had. Always a pleasure talking to you. And I certainly appreciate your time and expertise. Appreciate you having me, Travis. Congrats on all the success with the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. Again, Travis Apple, and thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle. Please be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.